back to the podcast on Germany. My name is Jacob, and this is episode 24, Caesar Crosses the Rhine. Just as a reminder, if you'd like to support the show, you can donate on our website, www.podcastongermany.com, in which the money goes towards purchasing needed research books, the monthly fees of the website, and podcast database, as well as our projects, such as the new logo. So, are you guys excited for this episode? I am. Finally, Rome is going to try to meddle in Germany. You curious to see what's going to happen? Well, what if I ruin the ending for you and tell you that it's one of his most shortest and rather uneventful trips? Are you still intrigued? Good. Because now we're going to go start at the beginning and just completely ignore what I just told you. So, from last week, our two German tribes were destroyed. Massacred would be a better word. Because Caesar did not want to waste time. He did not want to give a chance for diplomacy to work. He wanted these two tribes gone. It worked. He killed or enslaved almost everyone. The few that were on that field to escape, escaped because they made it across the Rhine. The Rhine is the safe haven. So what do you do when you're tired of the safe haven? What do you do to put an end to it? Well, you cross into that safe haven and you destroy it. You make it impossible for the robbers to use it anymore. And this is what Caesar has decided needs to happen. He can't continue just holding the Rhine and hoping that that will be enough. He's got to cross and prove to them that the Rhine is not theirs for protection. Caesar states that, quote, he desired that they should have their fears for their own territories when they discovered that the army of the Roman people both could and dared pass the Rhine, unquote. Break the sacredity of the Rhine, put the fear of the Romans into the Germans. Maybe this will help quell the mercenaries, the bandits. The river can't be a safe haven anymore. If the Romans have a foothold on the eastern side. However, there are two other reasons that Caesar claims for his decision that are more tangible. First was that the Eusipi and the Tancterians, those two tribes that were massacred in the last episode, well, they're not completely wiped out. Remember, One of the reasons why Caesar rushed everything is because he knew that the Eusipi and the Tancterians didn't have their full force there. There was a large portion of their cavalry out raiding and gathering supplies. And the worst thing for Caesar now is that this large elite crack cavalry force, well, they've joined forces with another tribe. And they are pretty upset with Caesar. No surprise there. They've escaped. They've been welcomed in by another tribe. And I'm just going to apologize for this pronunciation. But the Sugambri are the ones who invite them in to join forces. I mean, who doesn't want to have a crack force of vengeful horsemen working for you? Caesar had already reached out to Sugambri trying to get the horsemen 
turned it into his custody. I mean, he really did want this threat completely neutralized. However, he receives this message. Quote, that the Rhine bounded the empire of the Roman people. If he did not think it just for the Germans to pass over into Gaul against his consent, why did he claim that anything beyond the Rhine should be subject to his dominion or power? End quote. A.K.A., you have no power over the Rhine. You have no say in matters over the Rhine. Mind your own business. Well, Caesar can't let that stand, right? He can't let a powerful enemy start building up strength across the Rhine, especially one that will want vengeance no matter what. And this has just been proven to us once again that this Rhine was seen as the sacred border that the Romans just couldn't break. Now, he mentions another reason for his invasion, another reason why he's going. And that's because his old allies, the Ubi, have reached out to him asking for help. Now, we've talked about the Ubi before. They were the ones who turned on Ariovistus and his men. Well, the Ubi have reached out once again to Rome. They're asking for help. Caesar says that the Ubi reached out to him asking for his help because, quote, they were grievously oppressed by the Suevi, unquote. Now, the Suevi were the ones who kicked the two tribes out of their homelands in the first place last episode. They are that massive tribe that could send out a thousand warriors every year for raiding and mercenary work and not have to worry about not having enough manpower to defend themselves. It was the threat that kept Caesar up at night when he thought about the Rhine. And if the Suebi were giving the Ubi trouble and Caesar did not intervene, well, then he would lose all credit with other German tribes. I mean, what's the point in having an alliance with the Romans if they're not going to do anything for you? The Suebi would be seen as the dominant tribe that had forced the Romans to back down. And that just, that couldn't stand. How eager would the German tribes be to keep raiding if they had the backing of the Suebi who had been able to force the Romans to stand down. I'd say that would increase the headache that the Rhine was causing for the Romans. Now, the Ubi wanted the Roman army's presence, stating that that could be enough to cause the Suebi to back down. And they were offering to transport Caesar's army across in ships. This is how keen they were to get the Romans there. Now, I'm not 100% sure about the Ubi just saying, hey, bring your army here, that should be enough. That might have been just something they said to entice Caesar, but I have no doubt that they were really hoping the Romans would fight for them. No one wants an army in their lands that you have to support just to stand there and look pretty. I have no doubt the Ubi were hoping that Caesar would do something. And I believe Caesar did have plans to try something. So Caesar has two tangible objectives. First, he must defeat the combined might of the Usipi, the Tancterians, and the Sugambri. Make sure that they're no longer a threat. Easy peasy. Second, he must protect his allies, the Ubi, and make sure that they were not going to be overwhelmed by the Suebi. But 
the big objective, the one for everyone to see, was that the Rhine was not a haven. It wasn't a protective barrier. It was something the Romans could and would cross. So Caesar gathers his army and decides that it's time to cross the Rhine. He's already in the region. His men have just won another amazing victory, gained a lot of riches from the selling of the slaves. Might as well push forward. But he decides that he's not going to rely on the Ubi ships. Quote, He neither deemed to be sufficiently safe, nor considered consistent with his own dignity or that of the Roman people. End quote. He didn't want to cross on those ships. Now, it's been joked that Caesar didn't feel comfortable on the ships, and that he was scared of drowning in the Rhine. But if you know Caesar's background, you know he has a lot of experience with ships. And in this year, he's going to be crossing the English Channel. So Caesar's not scared of water. Instead, there are two reasons that could be at play. First, by taking the Ubi's offer, it means that the Romans were accepting help from allies instead of relying on themselves. If he crossed the Rhine at the invitation of the Germans and then relied on the Germans, the arrival doesn't have that big impact. It's not the Romans crossing with authority and power. It's crossing because they got an invitation and someone helped them out. That's not how Caesar wants to do this. He doesn't want to come across as weak. He wants Rome to come across as this powerful, huge empire that you do not cross. Now, the other issue is that if the campaign goes badly, or if the Romans get outflanked in a land that they have no knowledge about, then those boats could be destroyed or lost. This land is completely foreign to the Romans. They have merchants that have gone through there, yes. They have probably guides in Gaul that could help lead them through the area, but this is completely alien to them. Their troops don't know what to expect. Caesar doesn't know what to expect. So having to rely on an ally to provide your transportation, to maintain your supply line, it's not what you want. The boats could also slow down his army and its move across the Rhine because it's not a continuous flow of men. It's whatever men you could fit in that boat goes across and then the boat has to come back and then can pick up more men and then cross again, leaving the first group by itself in a dangerous situation. So if he's having to rely on boats, then his army could be crushed piecemeal. They don't know if the enemy is prepared to attack. I mean, there's no doubt that the enemy knows that Caesar and his army is about to cross. And they know where he's going to cross. It's kind of hard to hide a massive Roman army. So, he's not going to rely on the Ubi's boats. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to build a bridge. (laughs) He's going to do it the Roman way. 
He's going to build something. Now this bridge is going to allow a continuous flow of troops across the Rhine. So the first guy starts on the bridge, the next guy is right behind him, and so forth. It's a secure route for supplies. You don't have to worry about the bridge being destroyed because it got flipped over in the water. You don't have to worry about it being captured because an enemy got close enough to steal away the boats. It's a permanent structure that you can continuously send supplies across. Finally, it sends the message that the Romans are crossing on their own terms. They don't need German aid to do this. They are going to break this sacred haven of the Rhine by themselves. Now I'm going to take a minute. And I'm going to give you what Caesar's description is of the bridge being built. Quote, He joined together at the distance of two feet, two piles, each a foot and a half thick, sharpened a little at the lower end and proportioned in length, after he had, by means of engines, sunk them into the river and fixed them at the bottom and then driven them in with rammers, not quite perpendicular, dike a stake, but bending forward and sloping, so as to incline in the direction of the current of the river. He also placed two opposite to these, at a distance of forty feet lower down, fastened together in the same manner, but directed against the force and current of the river. Both of these Moreover, were kept firmly apart by beams, two feet thick, laid in at their extremities between two braces on each side, and in consequences of these being in different directions and fastened on sides, the one opposite to the other, so great was the strength of the work, and such the arrangement of the materials, that in proportion as the great body of water dashed against the bridge, so much the closer were its parts held fastened together. These beams were bound together by timber laid over them, in the direction of the length of the bridge, and were covered over with lathes and hurdles, and in addition to this, piles were driven into the water obliquely, at the lower side of the bridge, and these, serving as buttresses and being connected with every portion of the work, sustained the force of the stream. And there were others also above the bridge at a moderate distance, that if trunks of trees or vessels were floated down the river by the barbarians for the purpose of destroying the work, the violence of such things might be diminished by these defenses and might not injure the bridge. End quote. Okay, so pretty long quote, but that's his description of the bridge being built. Now, for us non-engineers, it probably went over your head what I was talking about. The important thing is that while building this bridge, he built defenses for the bridge as well. And it shows how nervous Caesar is about crossing the Rhine. He doesn't want to risk losing this bridge to German sabotage. He's built defenses with this in mind. Now, it takes the Romans 10 days to construct the bridge and the defenses on the sides. 
and then Caesar crosses the Rhine first time. He doesn't take his full army with him, though. On both sides of the bridge, he leaves two strong encampments of troops to make sure that there are no attempts to seize the bridge behind him. After that, Caesar's army is constantly on the move for this campaign. It's going back to this idea of Caesar is in a rush. He's trying to get things done. So where does he go first? What's his first objective? Well, he decides to march his army towards the Sugambri in order to bring those three dangerous tribes to heel. And Caesar states that while he's on his way, several other tribes send ambassadors to either create alliances or to secure peace and avoid conflict. There are several Germanic tribes that really don't want to fight. They don't want to be involved or they want the Romans as allies. And so they are reaching out to Caesar and saying, hey, here's some of our people. You can have as hostages. Here's some of the trade we'd like to do with you. Uh, is there any chance that we could work with you? Do you need uh, some troops, some cavalry maybe? There's a lot of trade going on as Caesar is on the move. As Caesar and his army is moving towards the Sugambri, well, they, under the advice of the two tribes that just were nearly wiped out by the Romans, abandon their land. And they take everything that they have with them. And they flee further into Germania, hiding in the forests and the swamps. They're gone. Scombri wisely decided that it's not worth fighting the Romans. It's better just to back off and wait it out. So, when Caesar and his army have finally reached the Zugambri's land, ready for a big fight, their first big fight in Germania, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's just empty houses and barren fields. So he burns what he can find, and he just checks it off his list. Objective complete. He then immediately keeps moving. He marches towards the Ubi. And he's marching towards the Ubi. Word reaches him that the Swavia are on the move. Maybe this is the fight he's looking for. Maybe this is the chance to prove the power of Rome. Well, actually, they've just gathered all their families and possessions, and they've just moved away from Caesar. But he does receive word that, quote, all who could bear arms should assemble in one place, that the place thus chosen was near the center of those regions which the Swabi possessed, that in this spot they had resolved to await the arrival of the Romans and give them battle there. Unquote. So, what does Caesar do? He turns around and leaves. And he claims that he has accomplished his goals of, quote, striking fear into the Germans, taking vengeance on the Zugambri, and freed the Ubi, unquote. Yeah. And all this took him 18 days. And he decided that he, quote, had served both honor and interest. He returned and cut down the bridge, unquote. 
So building the bridge took half the time the campaign took in Germania. This was anticlimactic for the first Roman excursion into Germania. I mean, this was the Roman invasion of Germany. They've been hit so many times by these German tribes. You'd expect something more than just uh, burn some empty homes, march to our allies, wave at them, and then turn around and march back. I don't know. But his army just literally marched from one area to the next, burning abandoned villages of their enemies. Now, I have to give the Germans credit here. They played it really smart. They refused to allow their families and possessions near the Romans. They weren't going to stand and fight. They knew they had space, and they used it. They just backed further and further east and north. The massacre is still fresh on the Germans' minds, and they knew it's just too risky to allow the Romans anywhere near their families, their children, themselves again. So if Caesar was actually looking for a fight, well, then it makes sense that he kind of gives up on the first group because they just disappear into the trees. They're not going to give him his fight. It's going to take way too much time to pin them down. But the Swabi, well, they were going to fight. They had just retreated further away from Caesar and forced him to come to them. But Caesar refused. He believed it was enough that he had arrived to the Ubi's land. He considered it a victory. Woo! And just turned around and left. Probably leaving the Ubi going, are you serious? We were kind of hoping you would do a little bit more than just stop by and eat some of our food. Now, there was a chance for him to put down the Swaby, but he doesn't. He just considers it not worth his time and leaves. Or is there something else at play? Maybe he didn't think he could do it. Or maybe he thought it was just too risky to do it. He's in unfamiliar territory. He's moving further and further away from his bridge, from safety in Gaul. He's not really wanting to risk it. And frankly, Caesar's always about the money. What's he found so far? A bunch of abandoned villages and empty fields. And in those villages, there's nothing of wealth. The Germans have taken all of their possessions with them. So, for a man about all the money, this is a complete waste of time. There's no money to be had here. They're not going to fight so you can capture them and make them slaves. And they're not leaving their goodies around to where you can just pick it up and take it home. So in the end, Germania, it's just too dangerous. There are no major benefits in Caesar's eyes. Why stay? 18 days is a nice little vacation from Gaul. We can head back now. Now we have to ask ourselves, do we think that Caesar was successful? And I have to say, I don't think so. His three objectives. The first one, defeat the combined tribes. Well, he doesn't do that. He burns some of their villages, sure. But in the end, that's just going to make them mad. 
You didn't kill them. You didn't make sure that they stay away. You just burned some of their empty homes and huts. That's not going to be enough. Second one. Help the Ubi. Well, okay. He did do what the Ubi asked in arriving and just saying hi. But he didn't really do anything to make the Swaby back down. In fact, the Swaby were getting ready for a fight. And Caesar's the one who backed down. So I'm not exactly sure he accomplished his objective of making the Swaby look weak. And his final goal of proving that the Rhine wasn't a safe haven. He does get more allies, that's true. But he doesn't stay. In fact, he just comes in, looks around for a bit, and then runs back out, burning his only bridge across the Rhine. In order to break the haven, he would have to have garrisons on both sides of the Rhine. It'd be a large occupational force. And that's how you'd have to break it. But that's not what he does. This symbolic invasion... Well, it's just that. It's just symbolic. It doesn't do anything to break the safety of the Rhine for the Germans. Overall, Caesar's invasion into Germania, I would consider a failure for his objectives. He didn't find the money he was hoping for. He didn't find the victories he was looking for. And he didn't prove that the Rhine couldn't be a safe spot for the Germans. Yes, he could cross, but he couldn't stay. And you know, maybe he was scared. Because instead of trying to solve the issue with the Rhine, he decides it's easier just to invade that foreign coast that no one knows about across the channel. Something that we call England. Alright, that will do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know this was very anticlimactic for the Romans first crossing of the Rhine, but sometimes that's just how history is. I need to let you know there will not be an episode next week because it's my birthday, so I'm going to be a little busy. I'm not going to have time to write the script and work on the recordings. So we'll see each other in two weeks. Story for the